0: Hey, everyone. Before I begin, I want to talk to you about our sponsor, Herbal Face Food. I've been talking about Herbal Face Food because I see such amazing results with my sunspots, with my puffiness, because it reduces the inflammation, like my puffy eyes when I wake up in the morning, or even like my double chin. I always feel like I wish I had a better jawline and I feel like it's coming back. My sunspots from laying out day after day after day as a child has caught up with me i have sunspots galore and herbal face food has helped so much with reducing my wrinkles cutting down on my puffiness in my face i can't really describe it other than just there's this the puff is gone because it's not plant-based it's made out of pure plants and so it helps so much with fine lines wrinkles melasma i have psoriasis i have dermatitis like my skin is a mess i know it's from stress and it's such a relief to have something that doesn't show all the stress on my face. So go to the link in the email or go to herbalfacefood.com and make sure you use the coupon code Harmony20 at checkout to support the show. Now, on to the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 216 Abstinence Violation Effect. welcome to the harmony in the home podcast i'm your host kelly hutchison i'm a counselor a life coach and most importantly an imperfect mom doing this work right along with you and my goal on our podcast is to go from chaos to calm feel less frazzled and have more fun within your four walls to have more harmony in your home hey everyone so what do you think about that title it's a doozy of a word isn't it i don't know if you're like me but when you hear something all of a sudden I can go down a rabbit hole and I don't come up for a couple weeks from that rabbit hole. And so recently I went down a rabbit hole of watching a trial and it's still ongoing because you know, I love true crime and I've been watching the Lori Vallow trial, which is unbelievable. And Chad comes later on. And I was listening to a lawyer talk about it and he was talking about this concept which i had never heard of i heard about it in theory but i love learning new terms because i feel like when we know the name of it it's like when we're aware of it then it just brings more consciousness to it when we're doing it so it's kind of like bringing your car and you're like i don't know this is happening this is happening this is happening these are the symptoms these are the symptoms these are the symptoms and then the mechanic says oh it's your radiator and you're like oh so we just need to fix the radiator versus telling them all the symptoms 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 and not fixing the radiator So when we know, even though it's a big word like this, A-V-E, abstinence violation effect, it's pretty cool to add it to your repertoire of like, oh, I see what I'm doing now. Oh, I see why that happens. When we see it in our own life, then we can see it in our kid's life. And we know it within our soul, then we know how to teach it. And how do you get better at anything is by teaching it. So I heard this term on a podcast talking about not only cults, but also he called it cults and also high-demanding religions. And it was just a softer way of saying cults because sometimes people hear these big words and then they run from it. But when you hear high-demanding religions or high-demanding families or high-demanding parents or high-demanding teachers or high-demanding bosses or high-demanding spouses, then you can kind of be like, oh yeah, I know what that's like. Because I've either been in that situation or I've been the high-demanding person. So he was talking about a high demanding religion and how there's so many things that are taboo and the more taboo you make something in a religion the more you actually think about it even more so the official definition which can explain it much better than i can abstinence violation effect occurs when an individual having made a personal commitment to abstain from using a substance or cease to engage in some other wanting behavior has an initial lapse whereby the substance or behavior is engaged in at least once Some individuals may then proceed to use uncontrollably. The abstinence violation effects occurs when the person attributes the cause of the initial lapse to internal, stable, and global factors within. Like, I don't have any willpower. I have an underlying addiction or a disease. So in this situation, they're talking about addiction. Like, if you're trying to cut back on your drinking, and then you take one sip of alcohol, and you're like, oh, throw the baby out the bathwater, and you're walking that tightrope, of completely abstaining. And so when we're completely abstaining from something, it's kind of like when Lily was taking her testing in elementary school and they're like, get a good night's rest, good get a night's rest, good get a night's rest. And Lily's always been a great sleeper, but she had been told three or four times in that day on the news, the, the administration stopped by, then the teacher's saying, then there's notes going home, good good night's rest, good night's rest. She couldn't sleep that night because all they were telling her is to do something that already came natural. So we say we're going to abstain from drinking any alcohol. Then we take one sip and all of a sudden we're drinking a case of beer because we're telling our brain the negative of what not to do versus what to do. So a lot of times I see this with parents and yelling or parents and connection and parents in keeping their house clean or parents in working out or eating right. Plug in any behavior or any mind message that we tell ourselves, I'm never gonna yell, I'm never gonna yell, I'm never gonna yell, I'm never gonna yell. This is what I did when I was unconscious. I would go to bed, was sleeping with so much mommy guilt, promising myself the next day, I'm not gonna yell, I'm not gonna bark, I'm not gonna snap. Cause I was a pretty snappy pointy lip mom. I'm thinking in hindsight that was probably my go-to is that snappy, my body language, my energy was just like, it was very grr energy. Very pointy lips, very snappy turtle. Not in a sarcastic, fun, loving way, but very sarcastic. Like, you need to make me feel like a good parent or else there's gonna be some price to pay. And it's gonna be with my mood, with my energy, with my vibe, with my body language. And so I would go to sleep with so much mommy guilt going, if they would just act better, if they would just behave differently, then I wouldn't have to act like a crazy lady. This is what I told myself for five years. So I would fall asleep with so much mommy guilt, literally the weight of the world on my shoulders. Just wanting to be the most perfect parent on the whole planet, and just wanting to enjoy it more. I was just not in the joy of it. I was like, this is way too hard. This is not what I signed up for. My kids were supposed to be different. They were supposed to be more outgoing. They were be, supposed to be better behaved. They weren't supposed to cry so much. They weren't supposed to argue so much. They weren't supposed to, they weren't supposed to, they weren't supposed to. And so I'd fall asleep going, well, if they would just do and not act a crazy, then I wouldn't have to act a crazy. So I was basically blaming a three-year-old for my, I don't know, 30 something age behavior. So I would wake up and promise myself, I will not, I will not, I will not, I will not. And by 9 a.m., I was already Snappy Turtle. And the reason why is because I was trying so hard to abstain from anything Snappy Turtle, anything mood. And so when I did it once, I threw the baby out the bathwater, and then I would like tattle to David, who was at work, going, rough morning already. She's already acting up. He's already acting up. It's going to be a rough day. And then I would spend the whole day looking for more rough, rough spots. That's why the B-minus work was so helpful because I was like, oh, wait a minute. If I do want to be a perfect parent, let's just say I do want to be perfect. I think part of being a perfect parent is actually enjoying being with said children. I think the parent really likes to be around their kids. I wasn't liking the situation. I wasn't liking myself in the situation because I wanted to be so perfect. But when I found B-minus and I found the 50-50 work, I was I kind of let myself off the hook a little bit that I don't have to be abstain from always being the perfect always measured, always cool, like a Stepford mom. That's the pressure I was putting on myself and it was all self-imposed. No one else was telling me that. And especially when we're out in public, I was like, oh, I need to be even more perfect because not only do I want my kids to make me feel like a good mom, I need other parents and my parents and my sisters and my brother-in-laws and all the other people around me to tell me that I'm a good mom, either verbally or non-verbally. So of course, they're gonna look to my kids as a reflection of me. But when we take that pressure off of ourselves that we don't have to be perfect and there's no other perfect parent around us, the abstinence violation effect doesn't have such a hold on us. We're like, oh, I can be snappy every once in a while. Oh, I can yell every one. I can bark. I can snap because our kids do it. Not that it makes it okay, but it doesn't put so much pressure on us to be so skittish. Kind of like the coach I was talking about last week about the coach who was just we were playing against this other coach and his veins were popping out of his neck when the kids would mess up. And then if they messed up, he would either yell and scream and shame them and just yell in their face. What I couldn't even understand what he was saying because he was yelling so hard at these other players, or he would drop his shoulders, throw his arms up in the air, turn his back, sit down on the bench, like pretty much saying, like, I give up on you. Like you're just so imperfect that I give up on you. And these kids were so skittish and scared to make a mistake. So they were trying to, they're probably in their mind going, I can't mess up, I can't mess up, I can't mess up, I can't mess up. Tell yourself that a couple hundred times and then try not messing up. It's kind of like right now if I tell you, do not, whatever you do, do not think about a pink elephant. Do not think about a pink elephant. Do not think about a pink elephant. What do you think about right now? A big old pink elephant. So just know that there's an ebb and flow to life and there's an ebb and flow to our parenting that we don't have to abstain from being a human being with emotions. We can embrace the 50-50. We can embrace the B-minus. Abstain from being perfect. Because when we go to sleep saying, I'm gonna be the perfect mom in the morning, then we put that unconscious pressure on our kids to be perfect. So they're super skittish. So if you have a super touchy kid, they're picking up on all of that. They're picking up what we're putting down. If you have an empath as a kid, they pick up on all that energy. And they're so afraid to mess up. So essentially, that's where they mess up because they know if they just even cry a little bit, they're gonna be in trouble and then it makes them cry even more. The more we come at their crying or their moods with an NBD energy, we can still have consequences, we can still talk to them post-meltdown, but during the moment, when we hold the space, like if that coach on the other team would've been like, you guys, we got this, we, we're gonna get dig deeper, shake it off, let it go, don't get in your head, then we can bounce back. That's why they have timeouts in sports. Whenever I see it going haywire, where one team is dominating, all of a sudden they call a timeout. It's because they're trying to break up that momentum. So you're gonna have things in life that are gonna break up your momentum and you just get back right back in the game, you shake it off. You don't have to think about being perfect so much because when you're thinking about being perfect, that's ironically where we're gonna mess up because we're trying to hold that beach ball underneath water and that resistance and that pressure is a pressure cooker and a self-imposed pressure we're putting on ourselves and then unconsciously we're putting it on our kids. They're afraid to have a human experience. They're afraid to get a B. They're afraid to strike out. They're afraid to miss that open goal because they know when they look on the sidelines, they're going to have that coach on the sideline, like the other team that we were playing, and that coach is either going to be super hot where the veins are popping and they're flipping out, arms are flailing, or they're going to be super cold where they drop their shoulders. They're pretty much saying, I give up on you. Super disappointed. And when kids feel that tightrope in their life, Ironically, that's where they're gonna mess up more. I saw these players on the other team messing up more because they were constantly looking at the coach, looking at the coach, looking at the coach, looking at the coach while they were playing. Like, did he approve, did he approve? How was he? It was just like this nonstop measuring of his mood, energy, and vibe. And you might've grown up in a home where you were constantly looking to the sidelines of your own house of measuring your mom or your dad's mood, energy, vibe. Were they super hot? Were they super cold? Or were they super stable Mabel? When they were super stable Mabel, that kind of gave you that piece like, huh, okay, I can kind of enjoy this a little bit more. I can enjoy this game a little bit more. But if your parents were like a coach, like the coach was on the other team, where they're either super hot or super cold, that's a very insecure way to go through life or go through the game. So this all comes back, this absence violation effect. I think we can be abstaining from wanting to be perfect abstaining from wanting to get straight A's. We make the rubric. We also decide what our grades are. We can only control our side of the street. We don't want to give all of our power and our emotional bandwidth to our children. We want to take some of that back, model what we want to see from them. Everything's no big deal. Shake it off when they make mistakes, because they will, because just like there's no perfect parent, there's no perfect child. And it's that balancing act, that Goldilocks balance of that balancing act of not wanting to be perfect Striving, doing great. I love the quote by Dave Ramsey's daughter. You pray like it depends on God and you work like it depends on you. And then you just let go of the rest. So when we can give that gift to ourselves, guess who we give it to next? Our children. And that creates more harmony in the home. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com and if you really wanna fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.